0: conversations on hold for now, I'm sure they are super, and there will be an awesome opportunity for you to reconnect with those people after the meeting. Well, my name is Joy. I'm married to John. We have four wonderful children, and we are really privileged to be part of the leadership team here in International Harvest Church, and it is my my honor and my pleasure to complete the Reset series for us this morning, um, talking about how God has a heart to reset our well-being. And we've been hearing from the book of Proverbs. And one thing that I love about Proverbs, is almost like the app store of the Bible. You know, we're familiar with the app store of life. If we, you know, need um, a helpful pointer in where we should get a takeaway tonight, there's an app for that. Or if we need um, half an hour's entertainment for our children, there's an app for that. But it's the same in Proverbs. Whatever um, situation, circumstances we find ourselves in life, there is always a proverb we can turn to that can inject some wisdom and insight to know how better to handle ourselves in those situations. And that's something that we've, um, we've heard about throughout the course of this Reset series, that, you know, Proverbs holds the, holds the key or gives us pointers to how to reset our family relationships, how to reset our finances and how we handle our finances, how to reset ourselves under pressure and how we deal with pressure. And this morning, I'm continuing that with well-being. So, the definition of well-being, then. The definition of well-being by the world standards is the perception that life is going well, that you're in a state of being comfortable, of feeling happy and having health. Now, this is all very well and good, isn't it? But in actual fact, a lot of those things are subjective and it's all focused on the external and it's, you're kind of at the mercy of your life and your situation and circumstances as to whether you experience well being. So it's probably not that surprising that British data suggests that only fourteen one four percent of the British population consider themselves to be flourishing in their well being. So this morning we're going to look at what God says about well being. We're going to look at what he says is the key to securing consistent and long lasting and enduring positive well being. So if you'd like to turn with me to Proverbs Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 2, where it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. And another translation in the message, it says, they'll help you live a long, long time, a long life filled full and well. But we can already see there that there's a stark contrast between the world's definition of well-being and God's definition of well-being. The worldly definition places the emphasis on the external, on being comfortable, on feeling happy and being healthy. And really our well-being is determined by our snapshot perceptions of our lives, whereas God's emphasis is on the internal, what's on the inside of us, our heart. And actually, he is in it for the long game. He's not... He's not about it for a quick fix. He's in it for the long game. And he has an interest in helping us find lifelong well-being and a life full of peace and prosperity. Wow. Who'd love a life full of peace and prosperity this morning? I would. Absolutely. Who wouldn't want that sort of well-being in their life? Well, we, when we... Um, When we think of what makes up a person, we quite commonly think of the analogy that we're given of body, mind and soul, the three parts that make up who we are. And we quite often see them in this sort of like circular diagram here. It's something that we'll all be quite familiar with. And it's quite helpful looking at it in this way, because it helps us to understand that the three parts of us are inextricably linked, that they have a direct effect on each other, and it's also helpful for enabling us to see why we get stuck in positive or negative cycles of living and thinking and being. And we can see why we get stuck and that we can't compartmentalize our struggles so that when, when it goes wrong, it all goes wrong together. So this morning, I want to look at these three aspects, but I kind of want to look at it in a slightly different way. So Pastor Sally, in the first week, brought you chips. Well, I can't bring you chips this morning, but I can follow the food theme. And this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you the humble sandwich. (laughs) So we have here an amazing looking sandwich. The same three parts, body, soul or spirit, and mind. But we see them arranged slightly differently. So we have the mind there on the top, which is an important part. Sorry, start with the body even. Which is the external physical self. It's an important part of our makeup, and actually the Bible tells us that your body is unique to you and was actually designed by God himself. We then have the mind, which is the other piece of bread on the bottom, also an important part of who we are. It's our thoughts, our emotions, our brain power, and our decision-making abilities. And then we have the filling, which is the spirit, our spirit, our spiritual nature, and our heart, which is the eternal part and the substance of who we are. And it's really important at this point to recognize that actually God has designed us to be spiritually alive and in relationship with him. Now, my husband, John down there, considers himself to be a bit of a connoisseur of sandwiches. So I, um, so I took to him to find out the definition of, of a good sandwich, because would you believe it? Google couldn't actually just give me a definitive of what makes a good sandwich. So John says that a good sandwich has bountiful filling, evenly distributed, filling with every mouthful, held in between two appropriately thick slices of bread. Who would agree with that? I think that's a pretty good definition. (laughs) Very good. Now, I'm sure John's not the only sandwich lover amongst us this morning. Who else loves a good sandwich? Let's put your hand up. Excellent. Come on, then, let's shout out. What are your favourite sandwiches? Andy, favourite sandwich? Tuna mayo. Tuna mayo. I like it. Good. With some crispy lettuce. Mmm, good. Anyone else? Bacon sandwich. We all love a bacon sandwich. What have we got here? A reduced, whoops, section chicken salad, people. That's what floats Doug's boat, apparently. Anyone else? Peanut butter and jelly. The king of the sandwich king, that's sometimes called, isn't it? Do you know, I heard of some pretty crazy ideas. I know that John Simmons here, when he was a child, used to make a sugar sandwich, which was two pieces of bread smothered in butter, sprinkled with sugar. You would think he was like, I don't know, some wartime child or something, wouldn't you? (laughs) And I also heard this week of someone that likes a curry sandwich, which is a packet of curry super noodles in a white butty. What is that all about? Wow. Well, I have, in fact, got two sandwiches with me here this morning. So who who do you think, who do I think could do with a sandwich in their lives this morning? Who could do with a sandwich? Anyone do with a sandwich this morning? Possibly. Let me pop this down. Okay, so we have sandwich number one just here. And then we have sandwich number two in here. Uh, Intakes of breath. Wow. Wowie. I can confirm that John went to Subway. And when the guy said, so what would you like in your sandwich? He said, uh, everything. (laughs) (laughs) So what we have here is a sandwich with some butter in it. And some sandwich with, uh everything (laughs) in it (laughs) now who would like a sandwich this morning dog would like a sandwich douglas tell me which sandwich would you like to choose this morning as tempting as the butter one is i think the one with everything the one with them and why is that because it's got everything because it's got everything yes well there you are you enjoy that sandwich right any takers for my lovely but bread and butter sandwich Andy Charlton it might complement your apple quite nicely actually there you are very good there we are see you come to church and you get more than just a sermon you get a free sandwich amazing so this picture of this picture of a sandwich is you know it's fun isn't it it's something that we're very familiar with every day everyone loves a good sandwich but actually the picture is also a really helpful visual to help us understand in what proportion the three parts of who we are should exist and also to understand that there's important interplay between them Bear with me. It's the awesome dog's loving the sandwich, he says between mouthfuls. So the three parts of a sandwich are independent and they serve an individual purpose to an extent. But actually, they need to be combined, and they're dependent on each other in order to be brought together to be a sandwich. And it's the same with us. You know, We can take each part of who we are, and on their own, they will get us so far, but we can't expect to be well-balanced and flourish in our well-being if we're operating solely out of our mind. Or if we invest completely in the body but neglect the mind and spirit, then our lives will fall apart. All three parts need to be brought together and there has to be a connection between them in order for us to experience well-being. So if you're taking notes this morning, my first point is what's your flavor? Because you know, yeah, sorry, not to Craig David, did anyone else get that? What's your flavor? Tell me what's your flavor? John Simmons is there, I love it. (laughs) What's your flavor? Because you know, the filling of the sandwich determines the flavor of the sandwich, and the filling of our lives determines the flavor of our lives. I'll say it again in another way, the flavor, the shape, the potential, the destiny of your life depends on what you put into your life, and what you see, what you hear, where you go, what you do, the choices that you make are determining the flavor of of your life And here's another way to understand it. What's on the inside of us shows on the outside. Proverbs 27 verse 19 says, "Just as water mirrors the face, so your face mirrors your heart." Or another translation is, "As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart." So let's go back to our sandwich eaters here, Douglas. What sort of flavors are we getting from this sandwich? I'm getting um, a lovely kick of uh, chipotle style spice. Nice. With some jalapeno. Lovely. And uh, I think it's beef, but I'm not entirely sure. I think it's it beef, some sort of questionable meat. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, got some fiery jalapeno kick. Lovely. Peppers, onions. Excellent, wow. Um, I think it's barbecue sauce as well. Amazing, fairly bountiful there I'd say. Amazing! So Doug has got a sandwich full of flavour with lots of different things in there. Andy, tell us about the flavour of your sandwich. It's tremendous. It's tremendous! Oh, you guy, you're such an influencer, aren't you? I just love yeah, it. You're getting dairy. You're getting dairy. I'm getting wheat. Wheat. There's a good amount of salt in there. Good. The bread is soft. Excellent. The butter is cool. Good. Isn't he just so grateful? Don't we just commend Andy Charlton for his grateful heart there? Wow, he drew so much out of just plain bread and butter. But I think we can all see from that illustration that actually what we'd rather have is the flavoursome, bountiful, filled sandwich than the the meek bread and butter. But hey, let's let's be grateful like Andy Charlton. Let's have a heart of gratitude (laughs) like him. (laughs) But here's another question for you. If someone were to take a bite... From the sandwich of your life what flavor would they get if someone were to take a bite from the sandwich of your life what flavor would they get you see because we can see this principle in action we can see the flavor of our lives when we look at the way that we um respond to people and the effect that we have on those around us and the way that we respond to situations throughout life in the way that we handle our finances, in the atmosphere that we set in our homes, how we respond under pressure, and how we look after our bodies, and even our thought processes and mindsets, they are all reflections of the type of filling, or even the absence of filling, that we have in our lives, whether that be good or bad. They are the outward working of our inner well-being. And I think we can often compensate for the lack of spiritual filling by investing heavily in the other two parts, our body and our mind. You know, with our bodies, it's, it's, it's all about self-indulgence and self-improvement. We're surrounded by it in the culture that we live in. Where, you know, we're, we're surrounded by food and wanting to meet that need and meet the physical need, fitness programs, diets, even surgery, fashion. And then for our minds, you're gaining knowledge, pushing our mental abilities and capacity being strong-minded, independent individuals who maintain control of our lives and meet our emotional needs. we're bombarded by it daily. I know that every time I go to my inbox to see whether I've actually got anything that's worthwhile reading, I also have at least 15 or 20 different emails from various places offering me Groupons for this, Groupons for that, you know, amazing spa day, go and pamper yourself, you deserve it, go and learn how to make sausages, find out how to remove your blackheads, do this amazing online course, it'll it'll like give you an extra abilities and potential in life. Or TEFL courses. Apparently you have to have a TEFL course nowadays in order to succeed in life. You know, it's, it surrounds us. Everywhere we turn, there is, um, there is the opportunity to invest in our body and mind. And not all of those things are bad. Don't hear me wrong. And God is very interested and places high value on our body and our minds. But when we invest in them in the place of the Spirit going back to the sandwich analogy, all we end up with is more bread or bigger bits of bread. We've got a lot going for us on the outside, but on the inside, we really lack substance. Our well-being becomes hinged on our physical identity and ability and our mental strength and capacity so that when life is on a high, so is your well-being. You know, you've dropped that dress size, which is what you wanted to do. You've got that promotion, which you've worked really hard for. You've got a great night's sleep, maybe a full 8, 9, 10, 12 hours. I don't know. You met your 10,000-step target that you set yourself in the morning. Or maybe your kid won Star of the Week, or your relationships are going really well, and you feel in control of life. But then when difficult times come, or the pressure is mounting, or we're feeling overwhelmed, or we're just tired and situations and circumstances out of our control take a downturn, or maybe our body and our minds just let us down and fail us in some way. And soon we find that our well-being also begins to suffer because we've got no substance to draw on. And it's also worth identifying that we can, we can also put all of the emphasis on the spirit, and in doing so, neglect our body and mind. We can read the word of God, we can pray, we can come to church, we can attend city group and do all these really, really important and excellent things, but actually we can still fail to let them really impact and flavor our attitude towards our body and mind. Every part of us matters to God and he places high value on each part and each part contributes to our well-being. And actually, by neglecting any one of those three, our well-being will suffer. So when things go wrong in life, as they do, it happens, okay? Rather than letting our well-being also fall apart, we can take it as a really great opportunity to kind of run a diagnostic test on your life, to identify which part of your life has become imbalanced, Is it perhaps the top of your sandwich? Or is your filling fallen out? Or is it just completely out of control? Or maybe the bottom of your sandwich has just disappeared. Whatever it is, identifying what part of your life is letting the sandwich down can help us to then reinvest in it to pull it back together. You know, failure helps us to figure out which part of our lives needs sorting out. Failure helps us to figure out which part of our lives needs sorting out? And there's a really great example in um, Pastor Sazer's declarations this week about how um, a change on the inside can be, it can have such an effect on the external, on the outside. And there's a story of this um, woman who goes on a, um, an encounter weekend where she goes away and she really, really meets with Jesus in a powerful way and goes through a, a great change in her life to the extent that when she gets back from that, her husband barely recognizes her. And he says to her, hey, have you had like some sort of crazy makeover? You just, you're so different. And she says, no, what you are seeing on the outside is a reflection of what Jesus has done in my life on the inside. And you know, that's what it is that when we have Jesus in our lives. The change that he brings on the inside is apparent on the outside. Jesus is the flavor of our lives and the way that we live our lives. And you know, it might be that some of us feel this morning that rather than our lives being flavored in that way that, we, that I mentioned in that story, actually our lives are flavored by anxiety or our lives are flavored by fear or insecurity or feeling inadequate in some way or finding that you operate in cycles of extremes all of the time, or maybe it's flavoured by having lack of self-control. And we can identify that because of that, our well-being is suffering as a consequence. Or maybe your life is flavoured by ambition and wanting to work really hard to get somewhere in life, or perhaps wanting to find that right relationship, find your Mr. or Mrs. Right, and actually your well-being is hinged entirely on those things. You see, God's heart today is to reset and restore our hearts. The filling and the substance of who we are to how he intended so that the appearance of our lives is a reflection of the work that Jesus has done for us. And so that what people see and how our lives appear is the outworking of the freedom and the spiritual blessings and the victories and the giftings that Jesus has won for us and gives us freely when we welcome him into our lives. And also we experience the full and prosperous life as a result that Proverbs 3 is telling us about. You know, God makes the best sandwich. You might have heard it here for the first time. There's not very many churches that will preach this message. <laughs> but let me tell you God makes the best sandwich, even better than Subway. He puts the ingredients together in the best order for each of our lives. So, my second point is focus on the filling. Turn to your neighbor and say, focus on the filling. Focus on the filling. So in order to experience outward well-being, we must first establish and invest in our inward well-being, meaning our heart, the spiritual side to us, the substance to our lives and the part of us that lives on in eternity. You know, there's very little focus of this part of us um, in the world. Only 40% of the British population have an interest in having a more spiritual dimension in everyday life. And in talking to people, I've come across them who are so intent in just kind of putting it off. Like they're aware that they do kind of have a spiritual side to them, but they're just not prepared to really engage with it right now. They're postponing it for later on in life, another day, another time. But, you know, by neglecting this huge part of who we are or delaying engaging with it, we're just preventing ourselves from really fulfilling our potential in God and denying ourselves lasting well-being when I was preparing this talk, Karis told me about this time that um, back when Craig David was cool. <laughs> um, she sat for a very long time when, you know, back in the day where um, internet had to dial up and you had to sit there and wait for it to dial up. She sat there for a really long time with great excitement and anticipation to buy front row tickets to see Craig David. Amazing. Another nod to Craig David. <laughs> that was the silence in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but then such, su- such was the passage of time between actually buying those tickets with great excitement and anticipation to this amazing experience that the, her and Ben were going to share together actually by the time the gig came along they put the tickets in the drawer and completely forgot that they had the tickets what an opportunity to miss out on people personally I feel that the Lord might have been saving them from something <laughs> Or another example is, you know, one of these many Groupons that I mentioned before, that we have the opportunity to, you know, have all these different experiences and do all these wonderful things. But, you know, wouldn't it be a shame if we bought one of those vouchers, popped it on the shelf, and then by the time we remembered to come back to use it, the moment had passed us by, the opportunity had passed us by. Well, you know, if you take one thing away from my message this morning, it's this. Don't deny yourself the opportunity to receive all that God has for you, your body, your mind, and your spirit. Don't shelve the ticket that God is giving you this morning, and let the opportunity pass you by. Seize the moment today, and receive all that God wants to bless you with in all areas of your life. So my my first kind of tip if you like for how we focus on the filling is firstly to recognize that you have one and you need one whether we acknowledge it or not we are as much spirit as we are mind and body and what we do with that impacts us in this life and in eternity and it also affects our body our mind and ultimately our general well-being the second is we have to make way for god to be at the center We must recognize that the way that we would fill our lives and the way that we would live our lives is different to God's best for us and the way that he would do things. We can't mix the fillings. One has got to go. I remember when I was... um, at school, and we used to do home economics, um, or food technology, which is basically glorified cookery lessons. And and this one time, we were making quiche, so I turned up at school with my ingredients in my bag, and the time came to get the quiche ingredients out on the top that we were going to make, and I very quickly realized that I, in fact, left half of my ingredients at home. Whoops. I had quite a fierce teacher, so rather than um, fess up and tell her that I'd forgotten them, I just um, commandeered a friend to give me some of her filling instead, and, um, which is, sounds all very well and good, doesn't it? Excellent plan. However, she was making a tuna and sweet corn quiche, and I was making a corned beef and tomato quiche. And so I combined the fillings and, and just shoved a very generous layer of cheese over the top to disguise what was within it, and, and you know, everything was fine in my lesson. However, my poor mum who had to sample my delights when I got home, found it very hard to hide the pure disgust on her face as she was eating what was really quite a revolting combination of tuna, sweet corn, corned beef, and tomato. (laughs) You know, the only way to have God completely at the center of our lives is to lose some of our own filling of our lives. Some of you might be Friends fans and and might be sitting there thinking, oh, I'm sure there was an episode of Friends where something similar to that happened. Well, in fact, there is a great episode where Rachel decides that she's going to make a delicious British trifle. But what she doesn't realize is that two pages of the recipe book are stuck together. And so she presents this amazing layered trifle and she talks them through and says, well, here we have sponge fingers and custard and cream and jelly and beef and tomatoes and some potato and custard and cream and jelly and they're all like what (laughs) she's like yeah i know i thought it was weird like british people do weird things with their food (laughs) but sure enough they find that actually what she has made the combination of the ingredients that she has made is just not palatable we can't smush two recipes together and hope that we'll come out with something edible at the end we cannot mix the fillings of our lives My third point to focusing on the filling is actually in the proverb that we read at the beginning, and it says, Remember my teachings. Keep my commands in your heart. Now, the best way to learn from your teacher is to spend time with your teacher and apply their instruction, to tune in to their teachings. But, you know, theory isn't enough on its own. An important part of learning and really sealing things in our understanding, in our hearts, is the application of what we hear and the application of what we learn. Our theory only gets us so far. And I, myself, am a student midwife. I'm in my second year of training, and I can hand on heart say that I would not be particularly effective in getting alongside a woman and helping her to deliver her baby if all I'd read were the textbooks and all I'd written were the assignments. A huge part of our training, a huge part of learning how to be a midwife, is actually getting out there and doing the stuff. I'm pretty sure that none of us would be very comfortable at the thought of sitting in a car where the driver had only passed their Siri test. Who would be up for that? It would be a roller coaster ride of emotions. But I think all of us can recognize that actually the theory part of anything in life really only gets us so far. The significance where the rubber really hits the road, where it really starts to make a difference is when we apply it to our life and when we actually do the stuff. And we've heard about the university of life. My dad's a big fan of the university of life. And basically it's a concept that means that we're always learning in life. We're always growing and learning from the experiences that we have. Well, this morning I'm talking about the University of Christ. You know, it's ongoing. Salvation is not a destination or an end point. Salvation, that point that you give your life to Jesus, is just the beginning of the journey. And we gain so much from walking daily through life with Jesus. And the more we learn and the more we change to be like him, the greater substance our life gains. So my final point this morning is forever flourish. Proverbs 3 tells us that by getting the filling right, putting God at the center is the key to a long-lasting life in peace and prosperity. Because when we open our lives to God and allow Jesus to take his rightful place, we become people of substance. And when you're a person of substance, you can overcome. You can overcome circumstances. You can overcome futile mindsets and patterns of thinking. You can overcome bad eating habits and lack of motivation. You can overcome setbacks and disappointments. You can overcome fear and anxieties. And why is that? Because Jesus is the substance to your life. And greater is he that is in you than anything that is in the world. You have something else to draw on than the limited power or ability of your body and your mind. And you can experience inner and outer well-being in the midst of trials and adversity. Not after when the dust is settled and life is res- restored to some form of normality. Not even beforehand an anticipation of some hardship. But in the midst of trials and adversity, you can experience Jesus in you overcoming on your behalf. And, you know, we all experience ups and downs in life. That's, that's life, isn't it? That's, that's how it is. And I'm no different from that. You know, I've, I've lived a life that has been full of ups and downs. And 2015, three years ago, was a particular... Um, Particularly challenging or turbulent year for us. In the the beginning of the year, um, he was our youngest child at that time. um, Albie, just before his first birthday, was admitted to hospital with pneumonia and flu, and we were there for nine long days. And it was tough. It was really tough to see him suffer in that way. And then the next month, I left my job that I'd been in for ten years and became a full-time student. And that in itself. It was great. We felt that that was the right thing for me to do at that time. But that in itself pre- presented um, kind of turned life on its head for everyone, really. There was a big adjustment period that we had to go through to find our feet in life and find a new routine. And I took a salary cut, so we had to readjust our finances and everything. And then soon after that, our marriage ran into some really significant issues, completely out of the blue. And we found ourselves dealing with um, really big issues and having to really get to grips with um, what God had for us in that time, and then soon after that, this is all within a period of six months. The route that we'd chosen for our children's education also kind of took a, t- a turn in direction, and we found ourselves really having to do some soul searching about what God's best for our children was. And it felt, you know, that everywhere we turned, there was challenges. Everywhere we turned, there were difficult situations and circumstances. But you know, throughout all of that, and in the midst of some of the most difficult times that I've encountered in my nearly 32 years, I experienced a deep, deep and steadfast and upholding peace through it all. You know, a peace that meant that I could go to bed at night and wake up in the morning and still have confidence that my children would be well that I could go to sleep and wake up in the morning and still have peace and confidence that my marriage had a future in God. And I could wake up in the morning and know that God's hand was on our life despite what our circumstances would suggest, despite what my feelings were in that moment. And you know, that doesn't come from my own ability to weather storms really well. It doesn't come from my own ability to rationalize my way through life and situations. It comes from the fact that Jesus is the substance to my life. And that is a decision that I made in my late late teens, and I've never never deviated from it. And it brings such substance to my life and my existence. You know, Jesus is the key to giving our life substance. He is the key to overcoming and to long-term well-being because he is steadfast he is unchanging and he is unshakable when jesus takes his rightful place in my life everything in my life takes its rightful place i'm going to say that again when jesus takes his rightful place in my life everything in my life takes its rightful place So as I've already said, you know, it's not enough just to hear these things and to read about how to read about the key to well being and hear about the key to well being. We have to apply it to our lives in order to truly experience and truly live in and out of it. So my appeal to you this morning is let's not miss this opportunity. Let's not shelve it like Karis shelved those tickets. Okay, God is handing you an opportunity this morning. God is offering you a reset of your well-being this morning. Let's seize this opportunity. So we've got three ways to respond. I'd like us just to stand in this moment. I feel like you've all gone very quiet on me. And I hope that's because you're really mulling over what it is that we've talked about this morning. You know, God's heart is for good things for our lives. And wouldn't it be a shame if our life passed us by and we look back and we could see so many opportunities that God was handing us a Groupon voucher, <laughs> that God was handing us a ticket to see real, bring about real change and establish real substance in our lives that enables us to really meet and reach our potential in him. And my first response is for those of us that have perhaps come here this morning and heard what I've said, and maybe this is all news to you, Maybe you didn't realize that there was a real significant part of you, which was the spiritual side of you. And maybe you didn't realize that the only way to meet that spiritual need is through God and accepting Jesus into your heart. As I said before, I remember when I was, I was 18, 17, 18, and I really made that commitment to give my life completely to God, to make room for him in my heart. And I found that... Very quickly, actually, God was able to meet the needs of my life that I'd spent all of my life up until that point trying unsuccessfully to meet myself or to fill that hole in my life with other things unsuccessfully. God is able to fill that hole in our lives. In fact, God is the only thing that is able to fill that hole in our lives. And this morning, there is a great opportunity for you to make that decision to make that commitment and to give your life to Jesus, to recognize that your life lacks substance, to recognize that you can't draw on your own resources successfully and sustain well-being, that you need something else. And so if that's you this morning, all you have to do is, is say a prayer that is an expression of your heart response to God. And we're going to say a prayer together. And if that is you, if you're saying that for the first time, we really, really want to stand with you and encourage you in the great decision that you have made this morning. There's a team of guys at the back there who are wearing black t-shirts. And after we've said this prayer, if you've said that for the first time and you really mean it, grab your friend, grab the person that you came with, even the person just sitting next to you. And we'd love to invite you to go out and grab a coffee and have a chat about the choice that you've made so we can really encourage you and give you some resources to help you set off on that journey that I talked about. So the prayer's just going to come up. Here we are. Perhaps we can all say it together because we really want to stand with you in this decision that you're making this morning. Father God, Father God, Thank you for the chance to reset my life to your heart and plan. I'm sorry that I've filled my life with the wrong things. Please forgive me. Instead, I want Jesus to fill my life and change me from the inside out. Amen. Amen. But If that's you, if you've said that prayer, if you've made that decision this is something that you really want. Grab a friend, make your way over to the doors out there and go and have a chat with our awesome team. I'm just going to pause for a moment. If you're hesitating, if you're not sure what to do, do it anyway. Seize the ticket, seize the voucher, seize the moment. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. You will not regret it. For all the rest of us, there is still an opportunity for a reset in our lives. We've been given three previous opportunities on a Sunday morning to have a reset in our lives, but here is another opportunity. If you didn't respond in those other times, it's not too late. This morning is your morning. Today is your day. You know, even if we've been a Christian for many years and we still we you know maybe perhaps we consider ourselves to have good well-being well do you know let me tell you that we can always make room for more of God in our lives and as we heard the only way to make more room for God in our lives is to make less room for us in our lives less of us and more of God And we have a daily choice to do that. It's a daily walk and it's a daily decision as to what we're going to fill our lives with, whether it's going to be filled with more of Jesus or more of our own ideas or more of our own um, plans, intentions, ambitions, whatever. It's a decision that we make to make room for God. And I want to encourage us this morning to respond, to respond to God, to make more room in your heart for God this morning. And there's something we've talked about, the power of the three combined. There's something really powerful about putting our bodies into action to demonstrate what our hearts are saying towards God. So I want to encourage you this morning to take a step, to show God, to demonstrate to him that you are making more room for him in your life this morning. Make room... Um, use of this room at the front or step into the aisles or do something that say, God, I recognize that I need more of you in my life. I recognize that I need to surrender my own filling to make room for your filling in my life. Because you know, the more room we make for God, the greater substance we have to our lives and the greater flavor we have in our lives. I also feel like the Holy Spirit is here this morning with a heart to set people free from mindsets that have trapped you in one of these areas of life. Or perhaps there's a disconnect or an imbalance between the parts of your life, or perhaps you're stuck in cycles of behavior or living, or perhaps there's parts of you that you've neglected altogether because you've lost, you've lost touch with them so much, they're so far gone, you just don't know how to pull them back. You don't know how to pull them back and reconnect and reinvest there. But today, Jesus is here to reset you this morning, to give you fresh energy and fresh strength and fresh insight and ability to pull things back together, to reinvest in those areas that are lacking. And if that's you this morning, again, I want to encourage you to make a physical demonstration of what's going on in your heart and in your life. Perhaps we can place our hand on whether it's your mind, your head, your your thoughts, your patterns of thinking that that need to be reinvested and need to be brought back. Place your hand on your head. Maybe it's your body. Maybe you recognize that you've neglected your body. Maybe you've recognized that you've lost sight of the preciousness of of your body, the value that God has placed on your body. Maybe you've lost sight of that and you've let it go a little bit. Well, this morning, God wants to reset you and put you back on track. Or maybe it's your heart, it's your spirit. You recognize that you have neglected it, that you have not invested adequately in it in order to have the substance that you so desire and that you so need. Demonstrate to God by putting your hand on one of those places this morning. And we're going to pray and the band are going to lead us in a song. And I'd really love us to make the most of this opportunity. Make the most of it. Ask God that reset. Let us not settle for leaving this building this morning feeling exactly the same way as we did when we walked in. Let us not settle for having a life that lacks in substance. This morning is your opportunity to gain substance. This morning is your opportunity to reset your heart and your well-being in the Lord.